Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. This is the Stampede Blue Podcast, the official podcast of the Indianapolis Colts on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm Dave Walker, and on today's podcast, we are here to celebrate a win, folks, in week six in Indianapolis. The Colts' offense finally came to life as they won this important divisional game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 34-27. to uh, this obviously was critically important to keeping the Colts in the playoff hunt, uh, in particular the, the race for the AFC South. As they moved to 3-2-1, and one, they are now officially above 500. The Jaguars dropped to 2-4 and four with three straight losses. Uh, very, very big game, and let's get into the specifics of this game. Let's start with the offense, and the name at the top of the list that you've got to talk about here is Matt Ryan. Um, arguably his best game as a Colt since he has come into town. And granted, the bar is very low there. He's had some rough games so far, but this one top to bottom was absolutely the kind of performance that the Colts needed out of him. Coming into the game with uh, Taylor and Hines both ruled out before the game even started. We knew the Colts were going to have to get a lot out of their passing game, and it happened. Matt Ryan with a career-high 58 pass attempts, 42 completions, a career high, 72.4% completion percentage, 389 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 107.6 passer rating, and maybe the most important stat, zero sacks given up by this retooled offensive line. Let's talk about that real quick. The offensive line coming into the game was a big question mark. Uh, Even though Bernard Raymond started at left tackle, he lasted two series Don't know the story there. We're going to figure out what we can during the week. Uh, Dennis Kelly actually came in at left tackle and finished the game there. Did a decent job, did allow some pressure. However, um, the right side of the line, they actually flipped the the duo from last week with Pryor moving in to right guard, uh, Smith moving back out to right tackle where he belongs, and knock on wood, Pryor... Played fairly well at right guard. So um, that said, the the offense in this game was clearly geared towards um, a quick passing attack. It was very evident early on that the Colts were um, getting the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands as quickly as possible. They used a lot, a lot of no huddle, a lot of up tempo, trying to keep the Jaguars' defense on their feet. Uh, and, and to, to tire them out. And I think it worked uh, from what we saw. Matt Ryan with the high completion percentage, um, just doling the ball out, you know, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, uh, was only really hit uh, a few times. And of course, as we mentioned, not sacked at all. Uh, the ultimate tally, though, 58 pass attempts, 
only 16 run attempts on the day. And again, keep in mind, JT was not in there. Hines wasn't in there. So you're relying on third, four string guys at running back. This was the game plan that made the most sense. And today it was highly, highly successful. Uh, so let's go over the games that all the other guys had, including some of the key plays in this game, because this was actually, for the first time in a while, um, the, the end of this game ended up being a very exciting one. Fun game to watch. Um, in the receiving game, Michael Pittman, holy cow, 16 targets, 13 receptions for 134 yards, including some critical third down conversions in this game, especially on the last game-winning drive that gave the Colts the win. Um, Jackson, 10 receptions for 79 yards out of the backfield. Paris Campbell had a fairly good day at the office. 11 targets, 7 receptions, 57 yards for him. Alec Pierce uh, was quiet early on, but it was clear the Jags were zeroing in on him and trying to make him a non-factor. He did draw some pass interference calls early on in the game, which definitely helped uh, the offense, even though his stats didn't show up early. Uh, he did finish the game three receptions, 49 yards, and of course, the go-ahead touchdown at the end of the game, which we'll talk about here in a second. Colin Granson, four receptions, 38 yards. Jelani Woods, two receptions, 27 yards, and a touchdown pass. Um, Philip Lindsay, three receptions, five yards. Uh, just overall, a, a great day across the board from the receivers, the tight ends, uh, and, and obviously Alec Pierce with the game-winning uh, touchdown, his first NFL touchdown was a big factor in this game. The offense in this one, the first half, the first half was a struggle. Um, the Colts, obviously, they were moving the ball, but they were getting in their way. Uh, and we did see them in the, in, the, in the second half of this game really start to click and start to finish those drives with touchdowns, something we haven't seen this year. Uh, and as I mentioned, Ryan, three touchdown passes in this game. Uh, the you know over seventy percent when you're when you're a quarterback and you sling it almost sixty times and you're passing for over seventy percent completion you are on point he was on point all day long very very few passes that were off the mark um, likewise Ryan set <laughs> several records in this game uh, he as I mentioned he set his career high for completions uh, but maybe most notably he passed Dan Marino for seventh all-time in passing yards, for career passing yards. Big, big milestone. Um, congratulations to Matt Ryan for uh, that huge career milestone. And obviously, it came in a win for the Colts, which makes it that much sweeter. Likewise, this was Ryan's 45th, 45th game-winning drive, which is sixth all-time. He is now only two behind Dan Marino, uh, to move up into the top five all-time in game-winning drives for quarterbacks. And, of course, the Colts needed this one from him, and he delivered. Um, for the running backs, Jackson in this game had 12 carries for 42 yards and a touchdown. Phillip Lindsay had just three carries for seven yards. He did convert on one of the two-point conversions, uh, as Jackson did go out late in the game uh, with an injury. Overall, this game was about what the offense did. They had the Jaguars... Uh, dominated in time of possession. Uh, they, the Jaguars did not have an answer for this short passing game. They did get to Ryan here and there, but they had no sacks. Uh, and for the most part, Ryan had his way with this Jags team. What remains to be seen, there are a few question marks for this offense going forward. Number one, what was the deal with rookie left tackle Bernard Raymond? 
the uh, Ryman, whatever you call him. The talk all week was we need to put this guy in. We need to let him take his lumps. He's going to be our left tackle going forward. Uh, and for whatever reason, there was no injury news on him. They yanked him after two series. Um, that is a very confusing message from the coaches where they said, we're going to let this guy take his lumps. We're going to see what he can do at left tackle to only turn around and pull him uh, after two series. So definitely want to hear some, uh, you know, some uh, guidance from the coaches on what they were doing there. Not a big fan. I like Dennis Kelly, but honestly thought he should be out there at right tackle. Um, Raymond is clearly going to be the future at left tackle. It's sort of questionable for them to pull him after just two series. Was he that bad? Was he struggling that badly? Um, likewise, uh, you know, with this offense, are they going to stay a predominant no huddle up tempo offense? Cause that is what worked today. And that is what delivered. Uh, it kept the pressure on the defense. It put the ball in Ryan's hands a lot more, uh, clearly him passing, you know, 60 times a game is not a sustainable method for winning. However, it worked today. What will this look like once you get Hines back, once you get JT back, which will probably happen next week? Uh, you'll probably have your full suite of offensive players back next week. And finally, Jelani Woods. He's beginning to get integrated more and more into this offense. He's becoming a red zone target for Matt Ryan. Um, what will his role look like as the season progresses? So a lot of good stuff. We're And obviously Alec Pierce, we're seeing him step up, as we mentioned in the previous podcast. You know, the last few games for him, he just keeps growing and growing as a receiver. And we saw, again, that delivered on today. Great, 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 great game from the offense. Um, over 30 points for the first time this year. Uh, and, and finally, <laughs> finally, we're seeing a Matt Ryan that the Colts can win with. They've got to keep this up. They've got to build on this. They've got to uh, use this opportunity to, to shore up the offensive line and make it the unit we all thought it would be going into this year. Great performance from the offense. We're going to talk about what the defense uh, did in this game, uh, their struggles, who stood out, and some of the storylines from that. But before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. And we're back on the Stampede Blue podcast. This is Dave Walker. We're talking about the Colts. Very much needed 34 to 27 win in Indianapolis over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Indy moves to 3 2 and 1. The Jags drop to 2 and 4. Indianapolis now solely in second place uh, in the AFC South as they chase down the Titans. Um, we talked about the, the offense and what they did uh, in this game. Let's talk now about the defense. A lot of interesting stuff going on here. Uh, within this game and in the bigger context. First of all, this was the first game all year that the Colts' defense allowed a single score in the fourth quarter. Now, obviously, this score was a touchdown. It was a go-ahead touchdown for the Jaguars. This was not the best game by any stretch for this Colts' defense. They've looked much better in prior games. This one was a struggle. Um, throughout this game, they, they got gashed repeatedly on big plays. In just the first quarter, they gave up chunk plays uh, such as a 48-yard run, a 14-yard run, a 22-yard screen, and a 19-yard end-around reverse. Um, and they were, at that point, they had given up 84 yards on just eight carries. Uh, they were absolutely just getting pummeled in that first quarter. They did settle down um, but they they looked very, very much off uh, in that first quarter and really going into the second quarter. That said, there were some guys that stood out in this game and some some good things to take away on defense, you know, ignoring the 27 points that they gave up to the Jaguars. 
Bobby Okereke led the team with 13 tackles. Zaire Franklin with 11. So obviously we want to get Shaquille Leonard back in there. Uh, he's you know right now got a, a pile of injuries that he's going to have to battle through to get back. But Franklin and Okereke have been holding down the fort at linebacker so far. Um, Rodney Thomas, and we're going to talk about this in a second, uh, was third with uh, seven tackles on the day. The seventh-round rookie out of Yale, the safety. Um, likewise, the Colts' defense, um, we talked in the past about the need to get more sacks. They came into this game sort of middle of the pack. They, they've improved from where they were last year. Last year, they were a bottom third team. This year, they're sort of middle of the pack, so they're, they're getting a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, today, they added on four more sacks. Grover Stewart had one, DeForest Buckner, Tyquan Lewis, and Odingbo, all of which had one sack apiece. So four sacks, this may move them into that top 12, top 11 territory. We'll see how the rest of the league plays out today. Um, but that is probably where the good news with the defense, at least in this game, um, that is where the good news ends. As we mentioned, they were getting gashed. Um, Travis Etienne had a big game. Um, they were uh, getting beat repeatedly. They, they gave up some third downs. Now, there were some questionable calls, including a hold late in the game on DeForest Buckner. Uh, just a terrible, terrible defensive holding call uh, against DeForest Buckner from Jerome Boger, who arguably is one of the worst reps in the NFL right now. He has had some really, really egregiously bad calls. This is on that list with their... Um, that kept the Colts um, on the field, and ultimately the, that was the Jags' uh, go-ahead score was uh, a consequence of that defensive holding call. Um, but this was not about the refs. This was about the defense getting beat. A couple things that stood out defensively. Number one, um, obviously you've got Quiddy Pay sitting on the bench due to his injuries. Uh, hopefully you can get him back soon. Uh, we are seeing the interior pressure from guys like Stewart and Buckner, which is fantastic to see. We didn't see Ngakwe really make a ton of noise in this game. So hopefully we're going to see more from him. But right now, uh, he's, he's got to do more. He has to do more as an edge rusher. Um, likewise, the safety position. I talked about this in the last podcast. Rodney Thomas, the seventh-round rookie out of Yale, has looked really good in relief of Julian Blackman surprisingly good for a rookie, even more so when you consider he is a seventh-round draft pick. Um, he is all over the field. He's playing really well. And Julian Blackman was healthy today. And from what I saw, he did not get a defensive snap. Now, before we go off and speculate that the team is benching Blackman, I don't think that's what's happening here. Obviously, Blackman coming off the Achilles injury from last year, um, coming off the, the the injury from this year, the team is probably seeing, okay, Thomas is holding down the fort really well. Let's take our time. Let's let Blackman get fully back up to speed. We can have him healthy just in case he needs to go in there if something happens, but let's keep him active during game day. Just give him time to work his way back up to full game speed to be fully ready to be on the field. As we talked about, when Blackman has been on the field so far this year, early on especially, he looked a little bit lost. He did not look um, like a top-tier safety. He was struggling. You know, the change of the offense, probably the, the long offseason of not being on the field, uh, that all probably contributed to that. So still think Blackman is the future at the position, but when you've got a rookie like Rodney Thomas that's playing well, he's done it now for several games. This game was not any different. He, he still played fairly well in this game. 
when you've got a rookie that's playing that well, it gives you time to get your 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 starter back up to speed to get him fully healthy before you put him back on the field. At least that's how I'm going to interpret it for now. Um, likewise, very, very confusing at what they're doing at the cornerback position opposite of Stephon Gilmore. Obviously, Gilmore is a lock as a starter. There's no question there. Um, however, Isaiah Rogers really has been playing better overall. I don't, I don't think there is an argument of Rogers playing better than uh, Faison. And Faison is getting excessively more snaps on defense. And it was clear the Jags were going after him some today. And they were having a lot of success. A lot of those big plays that they had were directed at Faison. And look, um, I know that Gus Bradley, that style of defense, they like the bigger, longer corners. Rodgers is a shorter corner. But Rodgers, here's, I don't care about the height. I care about whether a player is good or whether he's bad. And right now, Rodgers is the better corner. I don't understand their insistence on keep on them trying to make face on a better uh, player by putting him out there. It's it's not working. They need to turn this over to Rodgers. Um, let face him be the rotational guy that comes in periodically. Uh, I, I don't understand the moves here. So on defense, I think there's still some question marks. Um, obviously, they're they're missing, you know, their their key guy in the middle. Uh, and this game, look, division games can be a little bit wacky. For whatever reason, the Jags tend to play the Colts really well. Uh, this game was no exception. I do think there were a few instances where the defense got robbed by what the refs did. But overall, this was just a subpar performance from them. Um, they need guys like Ngakwe to, to, to step up. Um, obviously, Quiddy Pay is a big, big factor. He leads the team in sacks with three. Missing him is, is going to hurt this defense. Um, but giving up 27 at home is not what we want to see from this team. Now, they've basically been locked down in the fourth quarter. They did give up that, the, their first points in this game. Um, but you know, hopefully they can bounce back in the next game. Uh, just a, not a great performance from them. Let's hope that this trend breaks after this game. All right, final thoughts on this game as we head into next week's matchup, which will be a critical one on the road to take on the Titans. That one could decide who leads the AFC South uh, at close to the midway point of the season. Uh, as we go into that game, some of the takeaways from this game, number one, um, the tooling around with the offensive line may begin to come together. Um, they, I do think they need to figure out what they want to do at left tackle. Are you going to run with Dennis Kelly at left tackle? Or are you going to give the rookie, uh, Ryman, the, the chance to, to earn that spot? You know, What are you doing there? What's your messaging versus what you're actually doing in the field? It's inconsistent right now. Um, prior at right guard, Sort of worked today. He, he still is not a good player, um, but it seemed to work well enough in a quick up-tempo offense, getting the ball out of Ryan's hands quickly. Is that a long-term solution? I'm still not convinced. I still think they need to play around, potentially play around with this a little bit more. Um, prior at right guard was not as bad as prior at right tackle, but prior at right tackle should never happen again. So that is not the standard we want to use to measure this. Uh, number three, You've got to get the ball out of Matt Ryan's hands quickly. And using the up-tempo, uh, the no-huddle, I understand why some teams don't want to do that consistently, but we've seen it now. The only times this Colts offense has worked repeatedly and successfully has been when they have 
given the ball to Ryan and let him call the offense at the line. Um, sorry, Frank Reich, you're going to have to swallow some pride here. Let your veteran quarterback run this offense the way he wants to run it. Um, today showed you that when you do that, you put the ball in his hands, you tell him we need you to pass it over almost 60 times. Um, when you put it in the hands of your veteran quarterback uh, and let him call the, the game at the line, you can be successful. Now, granted, we don't want the team passing 60 times a game on a regular basis, but this proved that this style of offense may need to be tweaked going forward, especially as we have this critical game coming up uh, in week seven. Finally, um, you know, the, the various starters throughout both the offense and the defense, you've got to start looking at long-term pictures here. Is Rodney Thomas going to be the guy at safety? Um, possibly. Uh, Faison versus Rogers. Who are you really going to trust repeatedly to be out there for 40, 50 snaps per game? Um, right now, I know where my verdict is at. Um, keep building on what you've got with Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman uh, these two could be a very formidable one-two wide receiver duo. Uh, they're already looking like that. Use those tight ends. Jelani Woods looks like he is rounding out and turning into the kind of receiving tight end we need. Colin Granson looks like he's beginning to turn the corner. Um, this offense could finally be coming together, and they did this in a game where Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines were not available to them. So uh, overall impressive performance from the offense. Good day at the office, uh, and by the way, one hell of a call at the end of the game uh, on third down for Frank Reich to call the pass when everyone was expecting you know, a short pass or a run to set up the long field goal. For him to call that pass to Alec Pierce, which ended in the go-ahead touchdown, uh, gutsy, gutsy, gutsy call. Great pass by Ryan, great work by uh, Alec Pierce, just across the board, um, the kind of call that can actually help turn around the season. Now, still a lot of games to be played, but that could be a turning point for what has been a rough, rough start to this season. Uh, but as it stands right now, Colts, with their best win of the year, move to 3-2-1. and one. They are still in the playoff race. They are still relevant, and they've got a big one next week as they go to Tennessee. We will be here to talk about it on the podcast and, of course, to write about it at the site. All right, guys, if you've got questions, comments, feedback, you can find me on Twitter at NFLDW. And, of course, our articles daily at StampedeBlue.com. This is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.